You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nahumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matis Weingast. We're here again another week, and we are here. It's the 27th day in the month of July, 29th of Tammuz, 5774. We're on our three weeks format. Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh Av, which uh, brings in a new month, and uh, that means that a week from Tuesday is Tisha B'Av the saddest day in the Jewish calendar. Very difficult time throughout history, and it's a very difficult time in Israel right now. We've all been watching the news over the past week, and uh, supposedly, just at around this time, a new ceasefire is uh, supposedly taking effect. We'll find out about that when our News from Israel Live in English comes up at 8 o'clock with Hannah Levy-Julian, and uh, see what's going on in the world at 8:30 this morning I'll be joined by uh I'll be joined by uh Phil Carmel who is the uh special advisor for uh European policy for the European Jewish Congress. He's joined us before and uh, we'll be talking about the situation in Europe regarding all these um boycotts and protests that have been uh mostly against the, uh, the what Israel is doing in fighting Hamas in uh, in Gaza. But it's not just the protests. It's these protests have become uh, totally anti-Semitic, uh, violent destruction of property, threats to, um, to Jews. And uh, it's taken place in many, many different countries and a lot of... Uh, a lot of complaints that the authorities aren't doing enough to to prevent these from happening because of the tone they're taking, and also um, there's fear of security, and the countries are not reacting quickly enough or at all to the violence that's perpetrated, which sounds reminiscent of uh, of prior times. So we'll be discussing that in detail with uh, Mr. Carmel at 8:30. Till then, we're in our three weeks format of music. And we'll go right to music by Avrami Flam, appropriate for the three weeks. Here is Al Zehoya. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Oh, I'll let you know the temperature and, uh, and all that a little bit later on uh, in the show. So right now we're going to go right to the music right here on JM Sunday. Da, 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 da.
J.M. Sunday, Matis Wine guest with you till 9 o'clock today here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are in our three weeks format. We'll get to Rabbi Goldwasser and Moni Chizik momentarily. At uh, 8 o'clock, live from Israel, news in English with Hannah Levy Julian. We'll hear about the latest ceasefire that supposedly took effect at 7 o'clock our time this morning. And uh, we'll get the latest news on what's been, of course, a most difficult week in Israel with what's going on. At 8.30, my guest will be Phil, Col- Phil, uh, Phil Carmel, who uh, is Special Advisor on European Policy to the, East, to the European Jewish Congress, and uh, we'll be discussing the situation uh, in, uh, in some European countries with the demonstrations that have taken, taken place over the last few weeks. That are um, that clearly show uh, more than simply people expressing their opinion about the situation in Israel one way or the other. The demonstrations have become very violent, taken tremendous anti-Semitic overtones more than usual, it seems, and uh, the reaction of the various governments has been apparently not as great as one would one would want at all. So we'll be discussing that uh, very important interview coming up at 8:30. We heard in the first. Half hour of the show, music by Avrami Flam, Tzvi Silberstein, Beat Akon, a.k.a. Pella, and Kol Zimra. We'll get back to music after Rabbi Goldwasser, and we'll hear from some of those people again, and from others, including uh, 613 and uh, and others, Jonas and Schwartz, and others throughout the morning. The uh, the program continues all day long on the stream here. There'll be a slight different setup because of the three weeks format. There'll be a special encore presentation of Nachum's live a cappella with a sheer soul, and um, that segment took place on Thursday last week on JM and the AM. So that's going to happen today at nine o'clock, right after this show. And then the music mix will include an encore of Thursday's a cappella live lunch that was hosted by Executive Assistant Avrami, and that'll be from 11 to 1. 
and appropriate music for the uh, for the three weeks. The weather outside right now here in the North New Jersey area is 73 degrees, going up to a high of 88, going back down to 72, and isolated thunderstorms expected. In Jerusalem, it's 83 degrees, going down to 64. Right now, it's uh, still sunny, and it's expected to be clear overnight. If you're studying Dafyomi, you're in uh, Megillah, Daf 16. And uh, Megillah continues for... Uh, it's another week, and uh, it's about two weeks, two and a half weeks until the end of Masechus Megillah. Tomorrow there will be a rally in New York at Dag Hamashald Plaza, 2nd Avenue and 47th Street, sponsored by the uh, OU and uh, other partners. The New York Stands with Israel rally will take place at uh, 12.30 p.m., and uh, a lot of people are expected there. If you can make it out there, please do so and show your support for uh, for Israel. They hope to have thousands upon thousands of people there. And uh, that is taking place again tomorrow. A lot of different organizations participating in that, spearheaded by the OU. So uh, that's tomorrow again, Monday, July 28th, 1230 at Dag Hamashat Plaza, 2nd Avenue and 47th Street. Head over there if you can tomorrow. The uh, the JM and the M continues, of course, tomorrow morning with uh, Nachum back in uh, in a full week mode. Last week he was in Israel for a uh, a quick stint and show of solidarity and support, and then uh, had a little bit of difficulty getting back. So he is back. It's a full week of JM. Programming with Nachum, so that'll be starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Right now, we're going to go to Rabbi Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Lozech and Nishmas Zev, Rabbi Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Chavetz Chaim used to say, everyone has something to worry about. It is preferable for a person to worry about spiritual matters, and then he will be free from worrying about material matters. Bitochon helps to eliminate worry. If we remember how Hashem has helped us in the past, we'll find it easier to trust Hashem in the present. Moshe kept telling B'nai Yisrael, Hasher Mitzrayim. Remember, Hashem helped you in Mitzrayim, and He will help you again. We say in the Tefillahs of the Yom Noroim, For the sin for which we have sinned before you by wondering. Wondering about why we have problems, worries, thinking that we haven't done anything to deserve this, and certainly we don't deserve any punishment. We see that it's not just that a person shouldn't worry, but it's an iser, it's a prohibition. Worrying will bring a person to the wrong hashkafas, to the wrong outlook. Haman was worried about his daughter. He wanted her to be married. So he gave the Eitzetachashverosh to kill Vashti and take a new wife. What happened? Not only did he cause Esther to ascend to the throne, he single-handedly caused his death and the downfall of his entire family. It says in Chazal, Even if a sharp sword is resting upon the neck of a person, he should never give up. He should reinforce 
his bitachon, his trust in Hashem. Rebbe Elimelech Singer, the author of the Sefer Zichron Elimelech, was being marched by the Nazis into the Holocaust. He was calm and cool. One of the members of his Chabura came over to him and said, Rebbe Elimelech, how could you be so calm? What do you have to say? Rebbe Elimelech said that the great Vorka Rebbe and the Chidushi Arim were once traveling together to Warsaw. When they reached their destination, they discovered that someone had gone through their luggage and stolen their talesim and tefillin. The Chidushi Arim immediately became upset. He demanded that the carriage driver take responsibility for what happened. The Vorker, however, sat quietly, unconcerned. The Chidushi Arim asked him, Why don't you say something? Why aren't you upset? The Vorker answered, As soon as I stepped into this wagon, I declared that my peckle, my package, was hefker, ownerless, so nothing was stolen from me. Finishing his story, Rebbe Elimelech said, pointing a finger at himself, I also declared my peckle to be hefker. It is a munon bitachon that will carry us through these days. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. May we hear Mesurah's Thomas about all of Klau Yisroel. La, 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 la.
Shamor, Amora. 
Oh, 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 oh. 
chauffeur After all these years Our emotions can run deeply Moving us to tears Joy will fill our hearts When it's finally here When the shias finally here But we must strengthen our own Our faith, our pride We can find the Goldwag before that Bitachon Malchus Choir 613 and Avrami Flam rounding out the music segment since uh, Rabbi Goldwasser presented Morning Chizuk. It's 8.01 in the morning. We'll get to the news from Israel in uh, just a moment. It is the 27th day in the month of July, 29th day in the month of Tammuz. Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh Av, which ushers in the last of the three weeks, the segment of the nine days, which uh, ends with Tisha B'Av next Tuesday. In uh, Dafyomi, it's uh, the 16th half of Megillah. Temperature outside is uh, going up to about 88 degrees here in the north New Jersey area. Right now it's 73 and expected some isolated thunderstorms. And in Israel and Yerushalayim, it's uh, 83 degrees going down to 64 degrees. Uh, as I mentioned, news from Israel coming right up. Uh, at 8.30, I'll be joined by Mr. Phil Carmel who is the um, Special Advisor for European Policy for the European Jewish Congress. We'll talk about the situation in Europe as it relates to Israel and the demonstrations, the rhetoric, and the media coverage in the uh, European area. We'll find out what's going on over there. Right now, it's time for our news from Israel. Hannah Levy-Julian, a senior Israeli correspondent and Middle East News analyst is a former editor and contributing radio news broadcaster for Ocheva. She joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Levy-Julian. Good morning, Matis. Hamas has asked the United Nations to pass a request to Israel for another 24-hour humanitarian ceasefire. This coming after they rejected one just hours ago. The request was to start at uh, 2 p.m., but they launched missiles at the Ashkelon Coastal Region shortly after 2 o'clock and fired three Qassam rockets at Jewish towns in the Eshkol Region 15 minutes later. So it would not seem they're very serious about the request. Even before then, at 1.45, Hamas launched a massive missile barrage at cities along the coast, including Ashkelon. This time, Israel did not respond to the request so fast, 
In fact, they've not responded yet. Hamas has broken every other ceasefire so far, using the opportunities to fire rockets and kill Israeli soldiers. Just an hour earlier, three missiles exploded in the city of Ashkelon. No physical injuries reported there. President Ruvain Rivlin expressed his full support for the cabinet this morning during a Shiva visit to the family of a fallen soldier. Rivlin told a reporter that ceasefire talks are up to the government, but that it's clear to everyone that we cannot return to a situation where people living in Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Beersheba have to live in fear. This morning, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Defense Minister Moshe Yalon ended up ordering the IDF to resume operations against Hamas when they broke a humanitarian ceasefire that was approved last night. It was violated by Hamas once again. The request had been made so Gaza residents could prepare for tonight's Islamic holiday of Eid al-Fitr, the end of the holy Muslim month of Ramadan. Hamas has violated every single humanitarian ceasefire. The Egyptian army has killed 11 terrorists in northern Sinai over the weekend. That coming as part of Egypt's activity against terrorism in its own country. Security forces there also destroyed 13 new tunnels between Gaza and the Sinai Peninsula. That's according to Israel Public Radio. Israeli forces uncovered four new tunnels in Gaza over the Sabbath. Each tunnel has been mapped out and special ops forces are learning how to neutralize the threats they represent. Hundreds of weapons also found in homes, schools, mosques, and hospitals throughout the Gaza region. Meanwhile, some quick numbers for you. 43 IDF officers and soldiers have died since the start of Tsuketan, also known as Operation Protective Edge. The death toll in Gaza has allegedly reached 1,000. That's according to Palestinian Arab sources. Israeli military sources say several hundred Hamas terrorists are among those killed. It's not clear how many civilians are dead. The problem is complicated due to the issue of families acting as voluntary and some not-so-voluntary human shields. Since the beginning of Operation Protective Edge, Gaza terrorists have fired more than 2,500 rockets and missiles at Israel. IDF troops have uncovered 31 tunnels so far and that's since the first day of the ground operation, which started on July 17th. Israeli forces eliminated some top terrorists over the weekend. A Palestinian Islamic Jihad commander was taken out in a strike east of Khan Yunus. No name released there yet. Two more were killed in shelling in central Gaza as well. And IDF soldiers collaborated with the Shin Bet to eliminate a senior Hamas terrorist on Friday. Ismail Mohammed Saadi Akluk was one of the heads of research and development in the terrorist organization for weapons production. Akluk helped put together rockets and also the drones that flew over Israel a couple of weeks ago. Those drones were being used for intelligence purposes. They were equipped with cameras. But one also was loaded with explosives as well. It was being used as a flying suicide bomber. The British newspaper The Telegraph is reporting that Hamas has cut a deal with North Korea for weapons and communications equipment to replace the missiles that it's already fired at Israel. The deal is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but Hamas seems to have enough cash on hand to pay for the goods, thanks to Iran's packing, and now some help from the United States. Secretary of State John Kerry announced last week that the Obama administration has promised $47 million to Gaza 
that's in humanitarian aid. $15 million of that is going to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. Last week, two of their schools were found to be missile storage facilities for Hamas, and terrorists fired on Israeli soldiers from one of those facilities over the Sabbath. So at this point, Israeli analysts are questioning where that aid will actually end up. A little closer to home, IDF soldiers prevented a terror attack at the checkpoint near the entrance to Bitar Elite at about 10.30 this morning. Soldiers were forced to block an Arab driver when he wouldn't stop his car. When they finally managed to get into the vehicle and arrest the suspect, they found two explosive devices, gas tanks, explosives, and a switch. IDF staffers neutralized the car bomb. A passenger was transferred to the Shin Bet for questioning. The weather here in Israel is beautiful. High temperatures are in the mid to high 80s during the day. Bright sunny skies. Lows in, at night in the high 60s to low 70s. Cool and breezy. Perfect weather for fighting terrorists. We're praying to keep our soldiers safe. Peace in our land and victory for the Israel Defense Forces. Have a great week, everyone. I'm Hannah Julian for JM Sunday. That's our news from Israel. Thanks, Hannah Levy. Julian, we'll see you back here. Next week on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's 8.09 in the morning, Eastern Time. And uh, as I mentioned before, my guest at 8.30 will be Mr. Phil Carmel, who is the uh, European Policy Special Advisor for the European Jewish Congress. We'll talk about the situation in Israel and uh, specifically what's been happening in various European cities in uh, terms of demonstrations against Israel, there certainly have been demonstrations for Israel, uh, the, but the demonstrations against Israel have taken a very a violent and threatening tone, and not just the tone, they've been very violent, and very anti-Semitic, not specifically anti-Israel and the, and the fighting that's going on. So we'll discuss that at 8.30. Music continues until then, here is Come Back from the Maccabees Out of the Box. Thanks for listening, everyone, to JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
Maccabees out of the box, a cappella version for, it's the only version, uh, for the three weeks format here on JM Sunday. Mata Swine guest with you. Tomorrow, the 28th of July, Monday, there will be a rally. New York stands for Israel, with Israel. That's taking place at 1230 at the Dog Hammarskjöld Plaza, 2nd Avenue and 47th Street in New York City. The... Uh, the community-wide rally is sponsored by the Orthodox Union and other partners. They unite tomorrow to encourage everyone to attend this rally. If you're in the area, you can get out there for lunch uh, during your lunchtime. Uh, it's an easy uh, easy place to get to. 12.30, that's taking place. And uh, they encourage tens of thousands of people to come. New York stands with Israel community-wide rally that's taking place tomorrow. 1230, Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in New York City. A reminder, please, when you uh, go to Facebook, like our Facebook page, JM Sunday. Please do so. Also, as I always say, please like Mayor Weingarten's Facebook page, The Israel Show. That takes place on Monday mornings right after JM and the AM at 9 a.m. exclusively on the stream at the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com. Also, if you haven't downloaded the uh, NSN app, make sure to do so and convince your friends. Get them to download that app also if they haven't yet. It's a, it's an update to uh, the original apps, and it's phenomenal. You can do a lot of things with it. Besides just listening to a live stream, you can get encores of all the shows for a long time. 
going back. And, uh, and it's the most uh, up-to-date way of listening. So check out the app. If you haven't downloaded it, make sure you get the upgrade to that, the NSN app. And you can listen to all the great shows, including, if I may say so myself, JM Sunday, 8.16 in the morning. We'll be joined by uh, Phil Carmel from the European Jewish Congress at 8.30. We'll talk about the situation in uh, in Israel and in Europe and various European cities. Today on the stream, following the show, at 9 o'clock, there will be an encore presentation of the segment Nachum had on last Thursday's JM in the AM when he welcomed uh, Sheer Soul into the studio. So that was a, a live a cappella segment from Thursday. It'll be rebroadcast today at 9 a.m. and right here on the network. And then at uh, then there'll be music for the three weeks. And then at 11, from 11 to 1, there'll be an encore presentation of Thursday's a cappella live lunch that the executive assistant of Remy hosted. So if you missed that, it gives you the opportunity to listen to it. And then programming uh, music for the three weeks continues all day long. Thanks to Mark Zamek for putting all of that together. So uh, that gives us a lot to listen to and uh, to, quote, enjoy. Help us pass the time over the day. And uh, and uh, JM and the AM, the network, will be going into uh, nine days mode starting tomorrow. So that programming will change somewhat. We're going to go back to the music, and again, the Phil Carmel from the European Jewish Congress will join us at 8.30 right here on uh, JM Sunday. Here's 6.13 with another selection from uh, volume number one, Hamalah, right here on JM Sunday. No.
Gadden Benny Elbaz with the single Hashem Melech right here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. It is the uh, 27th of July, 29th day in the month of Tammuz. That means Rosh Chodesh of tomorrow and uh, Tisha B'Av the following Tuesday. In these parts, northern New Jersey, it's 73 degrees heading up to 88. Isolated thunderstorms in Jerusalem, it's 83 going down to 64 degrees. Sunny and clear tonight. Sunny now and clear later tonight. We uh, heard before Hashem Elech, uh, we heard from uh, Hamalach from 6.13. And uh, don't forget that programming continues all day long right here on the uh, on the Nachum Siegel Network. And my thanks to everyone who has joined us this morning, as always. We thank you so much for listening and for joining us. Well, to say that our brothers and sisters in Israel have been going through a particularly difficult time over the past three weeks would be an understatement. They are bearing, of course, the direct effects of what's been happening. And as usual, the majority of the world press focuses on the actions of Israel without a contextual presentation of what has led to the situation which Israel faces. And as has happened with many conflicts, there are demonstrations around the world with people expressing their feelings one way or the other. With all this in mind, we are joined by my special guest this morning, Mr. Phil Carmel, who is the special advisor for European Policy for the European Jewish Congress. Mr. Carmel, welcome back to JM Sunday. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Uh, my first question to you is this. 
Are we correct in the observation that the demonstrations taking place regarding the current situation in Israel are of a threatening and violent nature not seen in recent memory and that the rhetoric is directed against Jews and not specifically Israel? Yes. In short, yes. Um, the fact that uh, Jewish institutions, Jewish shops, Jewish individuals have been targeted, the fact that the slogans are more directed towards Jews. So, for example, if you once had effective things like Zionism equals apartheid, you now have things like death to, to Jews or Jews control of the media or these kinds of things. Yes, definitely. The um, the European Jewish Congress, of, of which you're a part and is uh, led by Dr. Moshe Cantor, um, released a, a statement, a few statements over the last few days, uh, one of which was to... Uh, to welcome the strong statement that the European Union made, or at least the foreign ministers of the European Union, uh, that uh, that Gaza should be uh, should be uh, uh, disarmed and free of terror organizations uh, like Hamas, and uh, Dr. Cantor said that the statement has clear ramifications, of course, for the current situation in the Middle East in recognizing that the current military escalation is the result of unjustifiable acts of terror uh, and by terror organizations. And then he said, but it should also resonate here on the streets of Europe where supporters and purveyors of terror are seeking out Jewish communities and their institutions, just as you mentioned right now. What about the governments in the cities and countries? To us, it seems like these demonstrations quickly become out of control and nothing is being done to prevent them. Have there been arrests? Have there been restrictions placed on these demonstrations? I think the governments are going through a very important learning process at the moment, and I think they're beginning to react in in the way that they should. Initially, there were a number of non-authorized demonstrations, which obviously couldn't be controlled by the police, they targeted specific Jewish areas. And because they tended to be quite spontaneous in nature, obviously there was a campaign to organize them on social media and things, they were very difficult to control by the police. About 10 days ago, particularly in France and Belgium, which are the two, I would say, major flashpoints, and there are reasons for this which I'll go into in a minute, the governments began to take action to control them either to ban them or to place them in a specific location or all under specific conditions which stop them getting out of hand. I'll give you a very good example of that Yes, today in Paris. There was going to be a huge demonstration in an area where within, let's say, a mile radius, there were many synagogues, there were many Jewish businesses, there were schools, they, they couldn't stop the demonstration. It was quite clear. They banned it. People turned up. There was an expected crowd that was expected to attend of about 50,000 people, and a march was planned through a Jewish area, through an area with a lot of Jews. What happened was that about 5,000 people came. They, they essentially uh, kettled in the people into one square, and they closed metro stations all over the place uh, in the general area. Now, there were arrests, there were riots against the police, and there's a very strong link between 
what these are not just targeted against Jews, but targeted heavily against the, the police. Even in a week ago, in what happened in a in a suburb in in Paris, they they attempted to ransack a police station, and they attacked a lot of the governments as well. One of the major cries in the demonstration in Paris was that Israel are murderers, and Francois Hollande, who is the president of France is complicit in those murderers. So, so there is a link which is going on here of a certain class, group of people, who come from a clear North African immigrant background, let's not mince word, words here, who are taken on board by extreme Muslim extremists who are linked with ISIS and with all sorts of other organizations, and they are regularly rioting against what they see as an establishment, which is the government, the police, and Jews. So, in, uh, if, I, if I understand what you're saying, there is that group that would rally against and demonstrate against anything government, no matter, no matter what. And unfortunately, when it comes to, um, to government, people mistakenly feel that you know, Jews are in control of everything. So they look to that. So that's one group that is being usurped, if you will, in this particular case, by the various Muslim groups. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're being joined with other groups who really you would expect not to be there and are taking part and also giving them a legitimacy, which is the far left. The idea that the far left should join Islamic fundamentalist demonstrations, which are obviously homophobic, anti-women, anti-democratic, anti-Jewish, of course, is, of course, obscene and has not been seen before. Now, I imagine that the general population, and I'm not talking about the Jewish population in particular, and I'm not talking about these groups that demonstrate or this established anti-establishment group, but the rest of the population... I imagine that they see this for what it is, namely a group that is trying to um, be anti-establishment. To that end, do you find that, um, other than the Jewish population, that other people are coming out in the um, in, in in the anti anti-government uh, demonstrations that are that are pro the government, or is it too much tied into Israel that they are? going to be seen as pro-Israel, and therefore they won't come out into the streets also. I think the major thing that most people want, who, who are not Jews or who are not Muslims, is that they don't want what they call the importation of the Middle East conflict onto the streets of Europe. So they don't particularly want to get involved. But what we're seeing is, the more these demonstrations become violent, the more they target the police, the less support that these people get. And that's a positive sign. And there's a, broad, a broader issue which is coming to, to uh, the fore here. Clearly, uh, the governments have not uh, taken on board of these issues. And I'll give you a very good odd example about this, which has nothing to, uh, to do with the Israel uh, conflict whatsoever. Three weeks ago, at the heart of the World Cup, there were riots across France because Algeria won a football game. Cars were turned over, petrol bombs were throw, thrown at police. Areas were no-go areas. So it can happen over, over anything at all. 
And the problem is, is that the governments have done not, nothing about it for years. And this is a very good wake-up call for them. My guest is Mr. Phil Carmel, who is the Special Advisor for European Policy for the European Jewish Congress. The um, the acts of, uh, of violence from these groups, uh, you, you've mentioned that the, part of this is a reflection of the growing population shifts in the various European cities and whatnot. Uh, and, and I think you, you kind of touched upon this, that the people demonstrating here feel empowered by statements of political people who themselves are more openly anti-Israel than ever before, and then they latch on to that, and and that's how, for instance, you mentioned the far left will tie into this and, and empower and embolden the people to uh, react this way. Is that a fair yes, statement? Certainly. So yeah. what happens now, let's turn to the media for a second. Here in the United States, the media is not generally favorable to Israel, and this time is no different. There's a tremendous bias, as you know, against Israel in the balance of reporting, and particularly now in the context of reporting. Now, the media certainly talks about uh, the rockets that are being sent over to Israel, they're being uh, uh, targeted in Israel, uh, but they mention the civilian casualties with no context. It's the, the cart before the horse, and they don't know which is, which is first. So it's very biased in that context. What is the general tone of the media over there? Um, is, is it more balanced? Is it uh, pro-Israel, anti-Israel? What's the general consensus there? The media will tend to lead on death. It always leads on death. I'm always. a former journalist. I don't know the way that uh, media works. And it will count deaths without putting those deaths into context. It didn't do that in the Second World War. It didn't do that in the Vietnam War. It didn't do that in the Iraq War. But it's doing it here. And because of that lack of context, you have a natural image which is very negative towards Israel. But I would say, and it's important to put this into context as well, that on the pro-Palestinian demonstrations, they have been targeting media people. Media people were assaulted at a demonstration in Belgium last week, and also in Paris as well, that they believe that all the establishment is against them. We see our perspective, which is, of course, the non-contextual description of the conflict, and people need to be given that context, and there's a very good example of it actually being given in Vienna. Jewish students went out onto all the major squares in Vienna, and they ran sirens. And then within 15 seconds, to basically mimic what happens in Israel, to show what the case is, they lay down on the ground in these squares, so that people understand that bombing population centers or sending rockets into population centers is something that no European country would ever tolerate. And the United States obviously wouldn't tolerate it either. So people need to understand that context. And there's a lot of Hasbara, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in, in that area. But to say that the media is naturally biased, I'm not sure it's more biased that it's been at, say, uh, the height of the Lebanon War or, or, or the recent operations in Gaza, because this is very focused on things that people understand is a threat 
to them. It's about Islamic extremism. It's about Hamas. It's not about the Palestinian people. It's about people who, who, who are threatening our way of life as Jews here and also in Israel, but also European ways of life. And that's becoming a lot more uh, sharp now. And people, are, I think, are beginning to understand that. I'm uh, I'm sure with the the statement that uh, you made before that uh, journalists will will count deaths and the media will count deaths, which which is understand uh, understandable. That's what happens. Um, I guess then in the weeks prior and uh, to the conflict in Israel right now and even during it, I'm sure the media uh, was out there portraying the fact that. Uh, about 2,000 Syrians were killed in Syria with the fighting right. there. I, I, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek with this, but uh, something tells me that that was not mentioned at all, probably, in the media. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you honestly, and I'll try to be objective about this, there are two issues here. People expect and judge Israel by a different set of criteria. Whether that is positive or negative, the different set of criteria used towards Jews, either on a collective level or on an individual level, is at heart anti-Semitic. No question at all about that. But on the other hand, they judge Middle Eastern peoples who are not Jews, in other words, Arabs, by another criteria. And they expect places like Syria, because they've learned that that is the way things go there. That's the way things go in Egypt. That's the way things go in, in the Palestinian territories. And apparently, Arab life is cheap as far as they're concerned, and they don't have a natural affinity with it. So you can look at it on a negative sense, and you can also look at it on a positive sense. It's very interesting, the the way you put that. And by the way, I don't want people to think that it's only in these certain European countries where these uh, these are happening with the demonstrations being uh, overly anti-Semitic and violent. Uh, happened in uh, in Montreal uh, over the last few days, happened in other countries also. Uh, we're we're uh, pleased to be joined by, uh, by Phil Carmel, who's from the European Jewish Congress, and you're able to shed light on what's going on in uh, in Europe, and we appreciate that. Uh, and I promise you that one one time we will have you on where we could talk about all the positive things that the European Jewish yeah, Congress do. does. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> last time you were on it was right after the the killing at the museum, and and now with this. But uh, in terms of what the European Jewish Congress does, as the uh, as basically the voice, the representative of European Jewry, uh, do, does your organization itself uh, help organize various events? Uh, you know, particularly now in terms of the uh, pro-Israel rallies and things like that, or do you not get involved in that uh, ground, um, you know, boots on the ground type of uh, program? We do get involved in that because it's important to show, because it's not always seen on the streets here, that there are people who support Israel. You can't abandon the public area to one side, and that's a very important issue, and we take that on, and we are part of organization of uh, pro-Israel events. Secondly, and I think it's our primary responsibility, is that we need to persuade governments that they are responsible for the security of their citizens. That's the primary responsibility of a government, and Jewish institutions have to be protected. Now, apparently that wasn't done 
at the level it ought to have been done until extremely recently. And the result of that are the murders which took place in Toulouse and at the Brussels Museum and in other places. And that is something that we regard as our, prim our primary area of responsibility. And secondly, when the, there's an also, there is also an important issue to prepare communities. And we have what we call a security and crisis management center where communities are trained to prepare for these kinds of events, chas v'shalom, that they should actually occur, but also after they have occurred, in order that, that the communities feel that we're secure, that there is a proper service for psychological help, for sociological help, that communities are prepared for this. And we're very active on that level as well. Excellent. Have, uh, have there been solidarity missions to Israel over the last few weeks, as we've seen from other... Uh other countries, and, uh, and and also, if you could touch upon for a minute, the reaction to the uh, to the temporary, or in some cases, it's an extended ban on air travel to uh, Israel. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the European Jewish Congress was obviously part of the World Jewish Congress de delegation, which just came back now from Israel. It's important that Jews do not cancel their holidays there, do not cancel their flights, they show solidarity, because there is obviously, once you start to ban flights, you then show that Israel is a war zone, that people can't cooperate with it, that it can't um, protect tourists, and it's a very bad thing indeed. So this is a particularly important time to publicly show solidarity with Israel. Very good words. My final question to you, looking ahead, uh, how do you judge the mood of the Jewish population uh, at this point? Uh, do you see a groundswell of change in the thinking? Do you see the possibility of dramatically increased uh, aliyah to, to Israel, obviously, over the coming years as a result of the openness and the manifestation of this uh, violence and anti-Semitism? I mean, you mentioned before when you described uh, in the very beginning of the interview uh, that the governments couldn't stop these uh, groups from from coming out and suddenly uh, you know, demonstrating and, and, and destroying property. You know, they used to be called the uh, pogroms, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and those are the images that we see now. Uh, do you have any, any thoughts about that as, as to what the population is going through now and, and the future of the European Jewish population? I mean, there's no doubt at all that when Jewish kids see, see that their schools are protected like Fort, Fort, Fort Knox, that they understand that they're not living in, in, in a normal time and that Jews should not have to live like that. And that, that obviously pushes people to make Aliyah, and that's a very positive thing, and there's been massive increases in Aliyah from France and from Belgium and from other places. Um, I think one of the great pro pro problems here is that we see the normalization of anti-Israel activity. I want to give you a very good example of that. And it may appear very mundane and very trivial, but it was something that personally hit me last week. There was a demonstration here in Brussels a week ago, right in the center of town, and it became violent. There weren't any Jews there, but they ransacked a few shops and they broke a few windows and they attacked the police. And... I went there, which is in the center of the city, very near where I live, the following day with my daughter. 
And there's a statue there in the centre of town of a former Queen of Belgium, which had on it um, something like uh, Kill Jews and the Magin David and something like that. It was very, very offensive. And tw 24 hours after the demo, it was still there. Next to the statue, in the same square, was a street cleaner. This was a Sunday. A municipal street cleaner in municipal outfit with a municipal vacuum cleaning thing, whatever you call them, had on it a huge placard which said, Free Pal Palestine. Hmm. And a few days before that, there'd been public buses here in Brussels with North African Muslim drivers with Palestinian flags in their window on public buses. Now, these are people who clearly need their jobs. If you're a street cleaner working on a Sunday or working overtime, you need your job, and you don't want to risk discipline. But these people don't care anymore. These people regard it as being perfectly normal. They don't feel scared. That is the way society is here. And once Jews see that that is a situation around them, that they are outside of the pale and not the extremists, that makes Jews think about whether well, they've got a future here. Right. It's a very... Uh... It's a very sobering uh, reality that uh, brought uh, you know you brought to mind and that your daughter saw there and uh, you know it's a tremendous you know, lesson. I want to tell you, my daughter saw saw the Magino David, and she said to me just like innocently, she said, "I didn't know uh, the Queen Elizabeth uh, was a Jew." Yeah. Right, right. That's not what the thing was, you know. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a you know? tremendous mixed message if ever there were one there. Uh, yeah. Mr. Phil Carmel, again, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's difficult times. We will get you on to discuss more about the European Jewish Congress. I want to thank you again for joining us here on JM Sunday. I wish you continued success and safety uh, over there. And uh, you know, thank you once again for, for joining us here on JM Sunday. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. B'smachot. Thank you. Take care. It bye is Bye-bye. It is 8 54 in the morning Eastern Time here on uh, the Nachum Siegel Network on JM Sunday. We'll go to a little bit of music before we wrap up the end of the show. Here is Gershon Varoba with Mimkomcha on JM Sunday. <laughs> Oh, 
wrapping up the uh, show today. My thanks to all of our listeners, and I want to say hi, shout out to uh, some uh, some listeners who are, uh, are are able to listen every Sunday morning, and they certainly turn on the stream on the Nachum Siegel Network. So we want to say hi to Sarah Yelet and to Isaac. Thank you so much for listening this morning. And uh, my thanks again to Phil Carmel, who's the um, Special Advisor for European Policy for the European Jewish Congress. We will have him on to talk about all the things the European Jewish Congress does, but uh, today we we had to focus on Israel and what's going on over there. The uh, programming continues all day long here on the stream. We have an encore uh, coming up right after this of uh, Nahum's segment from this past a Thursday morning with uh, Sheer Soul. He welcomed them into the studio. And then we'll have at 11 o'clock a, uh, an encore of Thursday's Acapella Live Lunch, hosted by Executive Assistant Avrami. Don't forget also, J.M. and the A.M. tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, and The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten at 9 a.m. exclusively on the stream. When you get a chance, go to uh, Facebook and like this J.M. Sunday page and like The Israel page, the Israel Show page also. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us this morning. My thanks again also to Hannah Levy-Julian for the live English news from Israel. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next week back here on JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>